So, well, good morning. Like, like Trey said, my name is Andrew Murphy. I'm one of the college interns here. If you guys have been with us this summer, we've been going through the characteristics of God and kind of just the different, I guess, qualities he has, and we've been diving into that. And this is our last Sunday of, of summer college life. Yes, I know, semester is coming, school is on its way. Some of you are taking summer school, and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. But uh, we, we're about to move away from summer and into I guess just another semester of academics, and and so uh, we're we're going to be in Second Peter chapter one this morning. If you want to open up your Bibles to that, and and, and like I said, summer we're, we're transitioning from the summer into the new semester. Now I wanted to talk to you guys about just, just I don't know some of the things the Lord's done in my life, and, and and how summer really was just a weird time for me. Summer was it's weird. It's weird for several reasons. I think first of all we. A lot of our friends move away, you know, like we kind of lose our community and everything gets kind of shaken up a little bit and we have uh, friends go out for, for jobs, to go to see family on vacations, they're not here regularly and normally and so kind of just a loss of community, uh, a lot of things stop happening in the summer, you know, like I know a lot of people go out for internships and some of you, like the remnant of us are like, why can't I get an internship and I know how you feel, though I currently am an intern, I... I previously struggled with that and and so it, it's it's a weird time no friends and also we have a lot more free time a lot of things stop like i was saying and uh it, it's just it's just really weird to try to like balance this it's hard to be disciplined because you can wake up whenever you want to and maybe you have one or two classes for summer school and so w- with less accountability and, and less well, a lot more free time it's hard to stay disciplined and it's hard to to walk i guess well with the lord and, and so this morning I wanted to just talk about uh, how we can go there and we can get there knowing that God's going to take us. But I was thinking back on, on some of the summers I'd had in my college experience. And you know, I, was, I was thinking about, like, I had some summers where I would, I would go back home or, or stay here and I would revert back to what I call high school Andrew. You know, I'm like horribly disciplined. My Xbox controller is like warm at three in the morning. I'm ashamed. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm insecure I'm lonely, depressed, I'm like, well, God, and I find myself in this spiritual slump I can't get out of, you know, and there's other summers, it's the complete opposite, I like, one summer I worked at camp, and I am on fire for the Lord, my, my schedule is down, I am disciplined, I am quiet time man, like, it's, it's awesome, and I, I met great friends, and had great experiences, and saw God do great things, and, and so, summers are weird, if you're a college student, and, you know, when asked to speak today, I was trying to think about the, the different places some of you guys might be in and where you're coming from. And, and I just like, wrote out this list of, of like, 25 different like, things that I just remember hearing you know, from, from, from my friends or from some of my own personal experiences in summer. And, and I just, I'm not going to give you all 25 of them. I wrote five, but, but there, there's so many places that we are in. And so some of you are, are discouraged and you're in that spiritual slump I just talked about. You know, some of you are on fire for the Lord. Some of you are doing great. And you're like, Andrew, I don't know why you're saying that summers are bad. And some of you went overseas on a summer project. I got two of the guys I went with and, and some other people here, so they're just right there. And, and some of you went overseas and had a, a great, great time and, and, and awesome experiences, yet some of you had some gut-wrenching experiences, whether that was a breakup or, or a betrayal or, or maybe someone even committed a crime against you, like a felony was committed against you. And if you were the person committing the felony, don't tell me because I will call 911. But... Uh, you know, some, some of you stayed here so you could do 16 hours of summer school, which is ridiculous, so you could get your Aggie ring your junior year, 
so you could rub it in all of your friends' faces. We know who you are. But there's, there's so many people in this room coming from so many different places. Spiritually and circumstantially, we're all over the spectrum. You know, so how do, I, how do I talk to you guys as we try to usher ourselves into the new semester? How, what, what do I have to say? And I, have to, I, mean, I have to talk about something that's independent of, of how you're feeling and of what your circumstances are. And so this morning, I want to talk about how God's invited you to participate in what he is doing in, in this world, and he has called you to walk with him and know him despite you. Okay, so this week has been weird. It's been, I'll, I'll talk more about that later, but it's just been a weird week, and I don't feel as prepared as I want to be, but God is good and he's faithful, and so we're going to, I want to pray before we jump in, uh, but if you would just pray with and for me. Heavenly Father, I, I, I love that in the midst of the craziness, in the midst of the meadows, in the midst of everything, Lord, you are with us. I love, I love that your love is higher than any mountain we're going to face. And, and God, you hold us in the midst of storms. And so I, I just I pray, Lord, that we could set up an, an Ebenezer, a rock of my help, honoring you for the God that you are in this, in this moment. And, and for the hearts that are here that are questioning your love. They're trying to earn it. They're trying to find it. I pray your spirit would come down and it would speak through me. Lord, I don't want to lay myself down. I want to be your mouthpiece because uh, the reality is I am not qualified to be up here, but you, you are. Um, you have qualified me. And I just ask you to speak and I ask you to move in the hearts of uh, those that are here and, and that we would learn and grow and rejoice in the God that you are and, and the man of Jesus Christ who came and died for us. So uh, we love you and we trust you. We ask you to we just give you this Sunday, and we ask you to use it for your glory. You know, I pray. Amen. Okay, so you're going to open your Bibles up to Second Peter chapter one. It's towards the end of your Bible, so we're going to, I'm going to start reading chapter one, verse one. We're going to go through verse nine. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them we may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Okay, so this passage, Peter's talking about an invitation by God to man, to us, to participate with him in, in a divine nature. So before we go anywhere today, we have to answer, what is this divine nature? What is this divine nature? In his first book, First uh, Peter or I guess first letter, he, he writes to, to the, the, the Christians around Israel. He's saying, therefore, preparing your minds for action, be sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you as, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, 
you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Okay, so what is the divine nature? The divine nature is to be like God, to be holy as he is holy. That is to be set apart, to be wholly different than anything this world has ever seen. We are called to step away from sin and walk towards God. We're not just called to not sin, but we're called to walk towards him, to know him. Um, And so we're called to be holy. So for those of you that have tried to be holy, uh, just kind of by picking yourself up by the bootstraps and and working really, really hard to, to get where you feel like he's calling you to go, how is that going? not only is that hard, it's impossible. You look in scripture and kind of around the time of Jesus, you have the Pharisees. And these guys were like a thousand times better at following all of the rules than any of us will ever be. Like these guys would literally like tithe on everything. Like they're, they're spices. None of you brought a tenth of your oregano this morning. None of, you, none of you would even consider to do that. That would be weird. But that's what they did because that is what the law said. You, you give God a tenth and you do these things and you follow these external actions. Yet when Christ encounters them, he says, you are a whitewashed tomb. You're a brood of vipers. We don't get there on our own effort. We can't get there. It, it does not lead to this divine nature God has called us to. So we need some help, right? So, so what God is God is doing is, is he's, he's laying out all we need to know about the divine nature, all, all we need to know, and he's going to lay out uh, three things. First, he's going to talk about the resources that are available to us by God for the purpose of us being able to walk with him. Okay, and then he's going to lay out the results. What are the results of our participation in this ministry that God is doing, in this reconciliation that he's doing in this world? And then finally, he's going to talk about the ramifications of not following him or of following him? What are, the, what are the consequences of our obedience? Okay, so that's where we're going this morning. And so we're going to start with the resources. So, so first, I mean, God, God is giving us everything we need to, to walk and take us where he has called us to go. On our quest to this divine nature, he's helping us. And so let, let's look. Look with me in verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Let's stop right there. That, that is... A huge verse. In that verse, it's saying God has given us everything we need to be full of life and to be full of godliness. If I'm going to translate that for you, there is no such thing if you are in Christ as a slave to sin. He has given you all you need to be free because he is divinely powerful and can do that. Okay, so, so we have that, and, and I don't want you to miss this. There's a, there's a, there's a kind of a, a big a big meaning that's kind of we kind of read over when we read over that word life. That word for life is the Greek word zoe. And I mean, I don't know if that's how you say it, but it's Z-O-E. And uh, so uh, it's, it's, the, it's the Greek word zoe, and it doesn't just mean like, hey, happiness, or oh, eternal life. Like, you'll get that, you know, he's going to give you that. You know, what he is saying is, and it's this idea of a harmony with God, a and a relationship. I am walking in step with the will of God, the way he has designed the world to work, and there is joy, and there is life, and there is peace, and there is you know, a celebration in that place when we're walking the way God's called us to go. And then from there, he's going he's gonna to go on and, he, and continue in verse 3, and he's going to say, 
He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. We're going to talk about this in a second, but this is his second reference of the knowledge of God out of four in the first eight verses of this book. Peter is hitting at something when this knowledge, he's talking about a knowledge of something. We're going to jump into that, but I want you to notice that, that he's, he's talking about a knowledge, and, and, and he's given us all of these great and, and good and awesome like things to get us there for a purpose, for the glory and excellence of his name. God has called us to participate in making his name glorious or significant. That is what we are called to do, but not just to make him significant and to pour out, but also to know him, to know him. God is glorified when we know him and walk with him, and there's a relationship there. So if I'm going to simply put it this way, it's God has called us to know him and to make him known. And so that's where, we're, that's where he's calling us to go, and that's where we want to be. Uh, and so how do we get there? Well, let's keep reading verse 4. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Okay, so... Before we go anywhere else, we have to answer what, what does he mean when he says the promises of God? Okay, well, in, in Scripture, the promises of God are talking about like, like things that God has said, and he says they will always be true, and they always revolve around what Jesus Christ has done for us, the promised one that he has given to us for us to be like him, okay? And so I'm going to put these on the screen, and you're welcome to write them down. I'm just going to fly through them, but I would really encourage you to, to know these. These are, these are just 10 of the many, the multitudes, the myriads of promises God's given to you to set you free. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to fly through these real fast. And I, will, I really encourage you to just kind of read these maybe on your own. Uh, but Psalm 118, 5 through 9, the Lord answers and sets free those who call on his name. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, I'm paraphrasing by the way. He will never put you through something you won't be able to endure or withstand. 1 Corinthians 5, 58, your labor is not in vain. Romans 8, 28, he works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 31, if our God is for us, then who can stand against us? James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Colossians 2, 13 through 15, the record of debt that stood against us has been canceled. It was nailed to the cross. There's no more shame. There's no more guilt if you're in Christ. Romans 8.1, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You all know that verse, but so many, so few of us actually believe it's true. You know, how many of us, when we sin, we're like, oh, God hates me. He doesn't want, ah, he's going to pour his contempt on me. I have to kind of like clean myself off and then he'll love me. Like, there's no condemnation. God, our God does not pour his contempt on us, but he lovingly beckons us into life and into godliness and into freedom. 2 Corinthians 1.20-21, the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of the hope we have in him. It is a seal of the incorruptible and unperishing promise that he's given us. And then finally, Romans 5.1-5, our perseverance through suffering, it leads to something that won't disappoint us, and that's hope. And that hope that we attain is far worth the cost of getting there. So we have these promises that help us walk, these resources. God has not abandoned us in, in our desire and in our hope to get to him. Does that make sense? So we, so we have these very great and precious promises, and I want you to notice this. You don't set yourself free. 
You don't just read the Bible and, and do really good things and, and then you're like, oh, I feel like a good person so I must be free. No, it's the words of God that set you free. Set you free from sin, set you free from anxiety, set you free from worrying about everything this world has. But we can set our mind and our hopes on the rock, and the rock of our help, the Ebenezer. So, and so as we talk about the promises of God, I just feel like this week has been, it's been weird. God's been I don't know if he's been, things have just been happening, but he's been really asking me in, in all of these crazy circumstances, do you, do you believe these are true? I know some of you have just crazy summers, and, and so do you believe that he works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose? Or is it like, why are you doing this? You hate me, you know? And, uh, and so we wanna, I want to talk about that this morning. I want to I go there. And so uh, we have the promises, but let's look at what's at stake. Let's look at the results um, as we as we step into knowing that we have all we need and we're not prisoners to sin. Okay, so what, what does our participation produce? What are the results of, of our participation in this divine nature? Uh, Peter's about to lay that out. So let's jump in on verse, verse 5. Follow me. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Okay, let's stop right there. We're about to go into a crazy long list of qualities. And, and it's just like, wow, this is a really long list, Peter. Those are all really good things. I want you to notice something. That there, are, there, there are two things I want you to notice. First, there is a flow to all of these. That they are working and weaving themselves in, in, in together. And second, all but one is dependent on you. Now, you have to use the resources God gives you, but there is only, there, there, there's only one you don't produce, and that's the first one. It's faith. Faith is a gift from God. Not of yourselves, not so you can boast, but it's a gift from God. And that is, that is the meat. That is what we build everything off of. And then he's about to say, supplement your faith. What is a supplement? Like a vitamin. If you take a vitamin for lunch, are you, are you full? No, it's not an entree. I know some of us do that because in breakfast we're like, I don't have time to eat like a Pop-Tart because it's too hard. And, and so we like eat a vitamin and we're like, I, I'm good. No, it's, it's, that's not healthy. It's not good for you. So, so the meat is... The faith, and we're supplementing it. We're making it better with virtue. So what's virtue? Okay, some of your, some of your versions might say moral excellence. I, I looked this up, and it, and it said uh, and some synonyms were pure, righteous, honor, honorable, and, and, and having integrity. And I'm going to sum it up into this. You have a character that leads to good works. Supplement your faith with good works. Live it out. Do what he's called you to do. And as you do that, as you walk in, in a virtuous way, where does that lead? Okay, let's, let's, let's go with me. Virtue with knowledge. As I step out in my faith and do what God's called me to do, that testifies to my soul that, I am, that God's, God's working in me and I have a knowledge. So here's that knowledge again. Third, third reference of this knowledge. What is that knowledge? Is it like a knowledge of God? Like demons have a knowledge of God. What is Peter getting at? He's getting at there, there is a knowledge that you are a beloved child of God. Peter is stressing that God's promises are true and that he will always be there. And if that is true, then he loves you despite you. You are a beloved child of God. This, this is huge. So, so I have this knowledge. And, and, and so my, my, my outworking of my faith through good works leads to a knowledge. God, I'm, a, I'm his kid and he loves me. And where does that lead? Okay, so I have, I have a knowledge, and that knowledge is virtue with knowledge and, and knowledge with self-control. Okay, so how does, how does knowledge that we're a beloved child of God lead to self-control? 
Well, if I know that I'm loved and wanted and desired and that God's not going to leave me no matter what I do and that I'm his kid, he's not going to abandon me, that means when Satan tries to come and say, hey, you know, Andrew, you, you need that. I know God's word says don't go for it. I know, I know this, you think this is wrong and it feels bad, but reality is you are hopeless and, and this is going to be the only kind of satisfaction you're going to find. And Satan tries to deceive you that the emptiness of sin is not empty at all. And in that moment, I can say, no, God does love me. I am wanted. I don't need that. And I can step away from my sin. I can step away from temptation. And I can pursue the Lord. And I can run after him. And that, isn't that freeing? Isn't that freeing? What's more freeing? Let's, let's see where it goes next. Okay, so we have, we're, 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 at, um, we're at knowledge and self-control. And then self-control leads to steadfastness. A moment of self-control leads to a, a lifestyle of perseverance. It leads to a lifestyle of discipline. It leads to a lifestyle of steadfastness. Isn't that cool? Every, your choice to follow the Lord right now dictates who you are becoming, good or bad. Does that make sense? It's not just like, well, this is not a big deal. I'll just pray. And it's, it's not a big, like, sin's goal is to destroy you, but God's goal is to give you life and to give you godliness. That you might walk as he walked in the divine nature. So that steadfastness leads to, uh, let's, let's check that out. It leads to godliness, steadfastness with godliness. Let's go back to verse 3. God has given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. We're there. He's taking us there through his resources, but that we are participating in this. We are walking. If you do not walk with God, you will not grow. There is a level of accountability that God's going to hold you to. You need to participate, though he does not need you. This is not for you know, us trying to earn anything. It's just that we might walk in life, in harmony with God. Okay, so we, we are looking like him. We're stepping into this divine nature. Where does that go? Instead of growing ourselves, we start outpouring. Where do we go first? Okay, so godliness leads to brotherly affection. So we're on this kind of process of sanctification. And, and on this road, Peter, Peter lays out that we first, we first must love one another. That before the body of Christ can do anything, it has to be solid and, on, and firm on the foundation of Christ. And we need to be united in the love God has for us and in the sacrifice Christ made so that we can step out. And, and once we have that, where does it lead? What is the result of our participation in the divine nature? It is love. Brotherly affection with love. It's the agape love that, that overwhelms darkness, that pushes back the brokenness, that heals the wounds, that, that covers over sin, that fulfills the law. And in that, we find ourselves to be like him, to be holy as he is holy and so different than anything we can ever imagine because he loves us despite us. Uh, and so before, before we keep going, I want to talk about, you know, so it's not like I start off and I'm like, well, I just became new in my faith and so I've got to work through my virtue level and then I can get to my self-control level. And then once I get there, I'll, I'll have steadfastness. Like, no, it's, they're all growing together. But, but he's talking about a flow. That here, here's how the outpouring of the Spirit works in the life of a believer though we are called to do all of them. Okay, so, um, so, so we have, have the, the, seen the results. Um, and so Peter's about to lay out the ramifications of what we do if we follow him or don't follow him. Um, and so I think, I think this is what I'm excited to share with you guys about. I think it's big. I think it's huge. I think it's something 
Uh, I, I've really loved learning. So, so here, here we go. Uh, verse 8 is where it gets scary. So let's read it. Um, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You might say, Andrew, why is that verse scary? That sounds like we're never going to be ineffective, we're never going to be fruitful. That's a great verse. I mean, it's still a great verse, but there's one word in that makes it terrifying. If. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, you will never cease to be ineffective or unfruitful in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's that fourth reference of that knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge that I am his child and that he loves me. So it implies that we, we don't have to, we can be lacking these qualities and we don't have to be always effective and, and we, we might not be fruitful in our, in our walk with him. But uh, I, think, I think something that's really important to notice here is that, that Peter doesn't write, he doesn't you know, come in verse 8 and says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you saved and you can go to heaven. That's not what it says at all. It, this, isn't a, um, this isn't an issue of salvation. This isn't an issue of are you saved or unsaved. If you're in Christ, you're in Christ. Your salvation goes nowhere. You are secure in the love of Christ. Uh, it is a gift to you. You did not earn it, and you cannot lose it through your works either. So, so here's what I want you uh, to, to, to think about. Obedience is about the effectiveness of faith. It is not about the existence of faith. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so Peter's about to warn us. Before he, before he warns us, there's something at stake. One second. Uh, so wait, what is at stake um, there's, there's two things. The first is your ministry. What is your ministry? Let me, let me translate that. It is you going out and sharing the gospel to those who don't know it and you raising up disciples to go out and reach this world for Christ. That's what's at stake. So if you don't do that and, and you are not letting the Spirit lead you to do these things, then the world is not hearing the hope that you have and there are eternal ramifications and there's an eternal significance in that. And also there is a, a depth a loss of depth in your relationship with him. What's at stake is your ability to know him and to make him known. This divine nature. We, when we don't obey, we lose out on intimacy and life with the Lord. You don't lose eternal life, but you lose out on the way God has designed things to be and the joy that awaits those that follow the upward calling God has given on your life. Um, okay, so Peter's about to warn us. Um, the reality is we... We've been describing the way it should be. He's been talking about how, it, how it, the world works if we do it right. and We're, we're pushing back darkness and we're doing great. And, and, the re- and the problem is we're sinners. We make mistakes every day. And these qualities are not always growing and we are lacking in them. Okay, so, so let's look what happens. What are the ramifications of this? Let's go to verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Okay. What happens when we sin? What, is, what does the text say? It says you become blind, and it says you become forgetful. Blind and forgetful of what? The fact that you were washed. You were cleaned. You were, <laughs> you were once and for all. Jesus paid it all, and you do have to do nothing to change that. Okay, so, so, so what happens is, is if Jesus already paid it and we forget that, then, then 
even though there should be no room for guilt, even though there should be no room for shame, even though there should be no room for condemnation, that comes in. We were designed to, to push back. We were called to push back darkness. God has called us to do that. And let me just tell you something. Satan doesn't care how you sin. He's not just like, oh man, I really want to make Andrew angry today, but he just keeps being anxious all the time. That's what I freak out about. I'm like, oh, I'm just so anxious all the time. You know, you know, like, he doesn't care if it's lust. He doesn't care if it's pride. He doesn't care if, you know, you, you, you feel like you have to punish yourself for the things that you do. He doesn't, he doesn't care. He doesn't care what it is. What he's trying to do is take your eyes off the prize. Um, and, and so, uh, I think maybe to help, help explain this, I'm going to talk about it a different way. We're, we're on this path to sanctification. We're on this path to being like God, to being holy. We're walking in step with the Spirit uh, driven by grace. And, and what Satan's goal is, to, he, he doesn't care about you taking a step back. You know, we talk about, I take four steps backwards, three steps forward. You know, like, he doesn't care about the step back. What he's trying to get you to do is to veer off the path. If he can convince you that God is displeased with you and that, that he can make his uh, focus, make our focus shift from the grace and love of God is what saves me to wow, this isn't working, then the reality is, is what he, he can convince you that and, and make you believe that, that grace is not sufficient for you, that the promises of God are not true and they're not enough, and that ultimately God is not divinely powerful and he cannot give you everything you need towards life and godliness. Do you see how our enemy, you see why he is the father of lies? He, he tries to unzip from, from the, from backwards, from, from the end to the beginning, and he is making it personal. He is attacking the character of God. He's saying God is not powerful. He cannot save you. You are stuck. So if grace isn't sufficient, if isn't sufficient where do we go? We're all sinners. We're all broken. We all intrinsically return to the law because we think that we can clean ourselves off. But why is that so foolish? Why is that so dumb? You're already clean. Do you see why that's ineffective? Do you see why that's unfruitful? We have perfect, spotless, righteous Christians bought by the blood of Christ trying with all of their effort and all of their gifts and everything, trying with all of their energy to wash themselves off with rags that couldn't clean them even if they were dirty. He's the father of lies. He's trying to deceive you. You are spotless, you are perfect, you are made righteous through the blood of Christ and nothing can change that even if you can't see it. Even when you sin, that veil comes over your eyes and and Satan tries to say the cross isn't enough for you. The cross is still there and he will be faithful to tear that veil as he was on the day he died. He tore that veil and we have a relationship with God. He will not abandon you. So what do we do? We sin. This veil comes up. We can't see grace. We, we return to the law. How, how, do we, how do we walk through these things? How do we, what, do we, what do we do? Walk blamelessly. Look with me in verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. You were called. You were elected. Make it sure. It's not in question whether you were called or elected. Make it sure. By doing all of these qualities, he's called you to do. Walk blamelessly. 
For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Fall away from what? The knowledge that you are his kid and you can walk in life and you can walk in godliness. Walk blamelessly. Second, fear God. I don't want you to be like terrified of God. I mean, ah, like God, you know, that's not what that fear means. But he is the holy God of the universe and you need to take what he says seriously because he loves you and he is powerful and he is trying to save you. He's not trying to constrict you or constrain you. He's trying to rescue you. Take what he, take what he has said. Take what his commands are. Take them seriously. Take them seriously. Okay, so those are... Those are the kind of the, the big, um, you know, visionary steps. But what are the practical steps we take? Well, I think I think first of all, if um, if you're walking, you know, in, in sin, what Satan's trying to do is he's trying to condemn you. You, you. If there's something the Spirit's telling you to do, if there's something He's calling you to do, maybe confess a sin that you've told no one. You know, maybe maybe take a step this way, or just trust the Lord, take a step of faith. You know, do it and do it right now. Don't wait. Because that's just going to give enemy room to come in and just attack you and assail you. You say, why are you so worthless? How, is this what Jesus died for? He didn't die so you could fail like this? Come on. Don't give him that room. Silence that voice by walking blamelessly. Uh, so do it. Do what he's called you to do now. And then second, you need to pursue God. You need to pursue God. Uh, this is a relationship. Start your mornings in truth. Because the reality is whether or not you do that, you will be lied to the rest of the day. And it doesn't have to be morning, but you need to find a time to get away and to participate in this divine. You need to tap into those resources that God's given you. You need to say, I need help. I'm struggling with this. Because every day has enough problems of its own. You need to do that. You need to. There's a lot at stake here in terms of the life and vitality of you and other people getting to hear the message that you have and the love and the relationship you have with Jesus. And then finally, it's one we kind of don't really think about, one that we don't really um, jump into very easily, but you need to pursue community. How many of you can, can honestly say that, that you're hiding nothing, that there's someone in your life that knows you completely? You know, that, that dark sin, that... That, that really brutal fact about yourself that you just want to hide and keep? Like, how many of you, how many of you can say that I am fully known, that I keep nothing hidden? Because the reality is, how exhausting is it to be hidden? How exhausting is it to keep things and try to pretend like you're not on fire? You know, like, if your hair is burning, like, someone walks up to you, you're like, what's that smell? Is that burnt hair? <laughs> it's fine. It's my flesh. <laughs> you know, like, we try to pretend like we're okay when we're dying, when we are decaying, when we are, our souls and our hearts are hurting. You, you need, you need community. You need to confess. You need to pray. You need to pursue. You need to be, you know, encouraged by those that are much stronger and better at things that you are weak in, and, and they need to be encouraged by you and the things that you are strong and good at. Because the reality is all of you have giftings God's given you and he wants you to use them. And we need to sharpen those skills together and it helps us take that step towards pushing darkness back. Okay, so um, I think the reality is why, why many of us wouldn't, wouldn't like go out and, and share. Here, here's what I'm struggling with. Today, I am wrestling with this. I am being owned by the secret sin that I haven't told anyone about. What keeps us from doing that? Oh, shame. You're a broken, dirty individual, and we're messed up. You know what I have to say to that? Welcome to the club. 
We all are. That's why we're here this morning. We're not celebrating that we never did anything wrong, but that Christ in our filth came and rescued us. He's made us spotless. We don't have to fight against that anymore. We don't have to be righteous. He set us free. He set us free. We're free. Walk in that. There's going to be no judgment here. The only reason I'm up here, the only reason I am where I am today is because the Holy Spirit has taken me there. I can claim nothing. I was a messed up, broken, selfish individual. And everything that, every, every, everywhere that I am, every place that I got, it's, it's a place that he took me and he brought me there. So I boast in him, not in the things that I've done. And we can, we can do that. We don't have to worry about judgment here. This is a safe place to confess. And so if there's someone you need to talk to, you come talk to me. If you're a girl, I mean, come find one of the girls on staff. We'd love to talk with you. love to hear how you're doing. We'd love to help you. Uh, but don't walk alone. You need community. Okay, so we've been talking about our relationship with Jesus um, we've been uh, talking about walking this divine nature, and it's all by faith. We really can't see it, and I think that's kind of hard to grasp. So I want to put it in, in terms of, of just kind of my own life. I want to I talk about um, the, way, the way this week's been. Uh, I told you it was a weird week. <laughs> it, was a, it was a weird week. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that was uh, God testing me or it's, my last name's Murphy. I don't know if it's Murphy's Law. Like, everything was going wrong that could um, but like, like uh, I think overall I've just been moving in and out of six different places and I'm just tired physically. I'm not getting good sleep. And then like these crazy circumstantial things keep happening. I'm like, what the heck? But, uh, like we're, we're moving from, from my house to my, my new house and the trailer opens and I just like lose all of my tools I've been collecting and like some other things fall out and like this, like, I guess the thief was standing right there when it fell out and cause he took them and there was no mess and it was just like, what? Where did that go? And they're like, oh, that kind of stinks. But then my phone breaks, and then my, my tire pressure's low, so I, I go to the gas station, and it says, hey, free, free air. And I was like, oh, nice, it's free air, so I don't have to pay anything for it, right? So I put it on, and I, this doesn't sound like it's working. I hear air coming. Oh, it's, it's free air for the atmosphere. It takes air out of my tires, and it deflates it more than it was before, so I have to go drive to another place across town with real air that you have to pay for, to always pay for it, and, but then I fill it up, and it's great. I'm on my way home, I drive over a screw. And I don't realize that until I get to work the next day, and it is completely flat. And the nuts on, on, on the tire are bolted on there. I, like, hurt my back taking it over, like, getting it off. I finally get a spare tire on, drive over to the car shop, and it takes them five hours to change my car tire. And this whole time, I've been trying to work on my sermons, my first one. If I do a terrible job, it's going to be awful. I'm going to just fail. I might as well just drop out of ministry and go work in the, you know, like, I just, like, ah, freaking out, and I can't catch a break. Uh, and, and I think the worst part about this week was, was in, in and amongst that anxiety, I kept letting people down. You know, we, we have seven new interns that just walked in. It's my second year. We have some first-year interns that have walked in, and my heart has not been able to rejoice the way I wanted it to because of all this going on, and I felt bad about that. I felt like, I felt like I let them down, and I wasn't able to follow through with some of the things that I, I said I would do, and I put an undue pressure on, on, on the pastor staff here that are already really, really busy. And, and then uh, you know, I had these two gut-wrenching conversations with some brothers I really care about. Um, and I think the worst one is I, I have a fiancé. Her name's Lindsay, and she is the most beautiful girl in the world. Uh, and I get to marry her in a 20, 125 days, if you're wondering. Um, but uh, uh, I, I let her down. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like, hey, Lindsay, I'm going to go work on my sermon for 
right, two hours. I'm just going to try to knock it out. It'll take two hours, and I'll come see you and hang out. So she's like, okay. He's been having a hard week. I'll go to the store and, and make chocolate chip homemade from scratch cookies that are amazing. They're my favorite. And, and she goes and does that, but I end up spending five hours working on my sermon. And I let her down because she was excited to sit with me and eat cookies and try to encourage me and you know, sip some sweet tea and, and talk about stuff I'd been doing. And, uh, and that happened a couple times. And, and I, I literally, there was a moment this week, me and gas stations, I was at a, at a gas station and I was, I was pulling, I was pulling the, the thing from the, the tank and I was putting it in the car, like in the transition from the tank to the car, like literally gas all down my leg, like on my clothes, in my shoe, like, I try to wipe it off, but I get in the car, and it just smells like gas, and I'm just like, come on, like, who does that? Like, that's never happened before. Why is this going on? And I'm like, okay, I just need to get home, and I need to change, and like, my dress shoes are broken. I'm like, why are you broken? Like, what is happening? Um, In that moment, my sweet king comes, and he reminds me uh, of a conversation I had uh, with an older individual, uh, a man I just really look up to, talking about engagement. Because engagement really is kind of like all of the hardships of marriage with none of the benefits. And people call it purgatory. People call it, you know, like like this terrible time. Everyone like, is it go quick at least? Like, no, it's so slow. And I'm like, no, you know. And I'm like, what do I do? Where do I go? And how do I make this happen? I'm going to fail, you know. And, um, and so I... I'm just talking with him about this. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to walk this well. What do I do? What's the purpose of engagement? This sounds like the worst time in the world. And he, he looks at me and he says, you have 125 days. And they're going to be unlike any other 125 days you're going to have with Lindsay. And you have that time, uh, and it's going to be so clear to prove to her that, Andrew, you are a giver, not a taker. Uh, that like Christ, the one you were called to represent in marriage, you will not take anything from her. Even though everything in you screams to do it, you will not take from her. And in that moment, I'm sitting there, gas on my leg, broken dress shoes, angry. And, and I feel like I have nothing left to do. I don't know what's going on. And so I, um, I remember him sweetly coming in and just saying, you know, Andrew, everything you needed to take, you took from Christ. Everything you needed to take, you took from Christ. And now you are without need. My promises are enough. And so I'm just, I'm just tired and I'm just anxious. And, th- and this morning, I didn't, I was just, my stomach's just upset and it's weird. And I don't know what's going on. I'm, I really feel like I'm going to come up here and just fail. I know it's not true. I know God's promises are true. Just nothing in my heart could feel it. And Jamie didn't know this, but, but he, he played a song, and we didn't talk about this, but he played uh, The One Thing Remains. It's a, it's a song I proposed to Lindsay with. and um, I just remember just, it's just him saying, Andrew, I'm here. I'm with you. I'm not going to abandon you. Even in the craziest storm, even though your summer has been ridiculous and you don't know what to do, even though you've had crimes committed against you, even though you broke up with your girlfriend, boyfriend, and you're like, how is this life going to happen? Where is joy found when all I'm feeling is sorrow? In that moment, Jesus says, I'm enough. You might not always be happy, but I'm enough, and I will give you your vineyards in time, and I'm doing something in you. Do not fear. The suffering is not in vain. Trust me. Walk with me. He's beckoning me. Andrew, follow me. My promises are true. My promises are true. And so I can be excellent at work. I can, even though I let people down sometimes, I can walk 
and not fear. I, I can honor, honor those above me. And, and even though I, I mess up, I can say, hey, I failed here. I, I, can, I can be the husband. I feel like God's calling me to be, and I so desperately want to be. I can do those things because God's given me everything I need, and it's all bound up in my resurrected Savior. I'm not a taker. I was, but I'm not anymore. I'm free. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, I want to thank you. Um, I want to thank you for your love that never fails. And uh, I want to thank you that in, in, in the times of hardship and in, in the times of trials, you are so sweet. In the times of meadows, in the times of everything going well, you're so sweet, God. You're all we need. We don't need circumstances. We don't need things to go our way. All we need is you. I thank you for speaking through me and giving me the confidence and the comfort I need through the power of your spirit. I thank you for reminding me that it's only you that qualify me. I don't have to do anything. I'm free because I'm your beloved child. And I pray for the hearts here that feel captive, um, that they would be reminded that wherever the spirit of liberty is, there's freedom and there's no more slaves to sin. There's no more condemnation for those who fail. And, And so God, help us. Comfort us as we walk into this next semester and there's anxieties about classes and I didn't get the schedule I wanted and this guy is not being clear with me and I don't know what to do. And God, help us to find our worth and rest our worth in you, to walk blamelessly before you and to shut out the voice of the enemy in our life. We ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen.